This is the Harvest Community Church Podcast with Pastor Michael Jones. And now let's join today's message, Already in Progress. Well, greetings again, Harvest family and friends. Let's get right into the Word of God. So if you have your Bibles... Won't you open them up to Matthew chapter 20? We're going to look at verses 29 through 34. Matthew 20, 29 through 34. And we're going to be reading from the New Living Translation today. As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two men were sitting beside the road when they heard that Jesus was coming that way. They began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them, but they only shouted louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and called, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, We want to see. Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly they could see. Then they followed him. Then they followed him. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word today that we might see Jesus. And in seeing him, we might believe on him. And in believing on him, we might be saved. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen, amen, and amen. Well, this past week, a friend of mine, Rasul Berry, posted something that I really, really liked. He visited a first grade class, and this is what he had to say. I had the honor of teaching a diverse class of first graders about anti-racism and protest and justice this morning, and it was lit. I shared with them about how, according to Dr. Martin Luther King, the 1963 Children's March in Birmingham, Alabama, turned the tide of the Civil Rights Movement. Hundreds of students, from first graders to high schoolers, protested when the adults weren't being heard. Seeing hoses turned on those kids during the evening news pricked the conscience of many in white America from apathy to action. Protest is essentially, and justice is essentially saying, that's not fair. So when Rasul began to shout, he would say, say her name. The first graders would shout out, Breonna Taylor. And he would say, say her name. And they would shout out, Brianna Taylor. He goes on to say it was moving and a quite powerful experience. I told them that learning to read, learning to love yourself, learning to love others, and learning what needs to be changed are the basic things involved in justice and protest. They were an incredible reminder to me that though today seems dark as night, the future is indeed quite right. Men and women, if children can understand what justice is, if it's as simple as, hey, that's not fair and we need to change it. That's not right and it needs to be uh, corrected. 
then if, if children can understand that, I'm wondering why we as adults just don't get it. It's very, very simple. Justice is right. Justice is a thing that we need to be involved in, and yet many of us aren't. And so for the next few minutes, I'd like to talk about three things. I'd like to talk about why Christians are not involved or emphasize justice. Why Christians don't emphasize justice. And the second thing I want to talk about is, does the Bible support justice? Does the Bible support justice as important to God? And then the third thing I want to talk about is, what would a justice ministry look like? Or what would uh, a ministry of justice, if every involvement you had in church life and outreach was had a justice component, what would it look like? What are the things involved in justice? And so, let's jump right in. Point number one, why don't Christians emphasize justice? I think three very main reasons. Number one, because Christians think that justice is a political issue. They think if you talk about justice, you're either talking about whether or not you're a Democrat or a Republican. If you talk about justice, you're either on the right or the left. And you know, if, if we were to give our opinion and our stance on certain things, as soon as we give them, those, would si- those others listening would size us up and say, oh, you, you must be a Democrat, or oh, you must be a liberal. If I tell you that I'm against abortion and, and that we need to protect children in the womb, you would immediately say, well, Pastor Mike's right wing. But if I were to say I am for justice and I'm for the Black Lives Matter movement, you would say, well, Pastor Mike is on the left. He must be a Democrat. Well, I think that the Bible and Jesus Christ God are above both of those things. Jesus isn't a Democrat or a Republican. Jesus is not right or left. Jesus Christ has his own agenda and he is establishing his own kingdom. He is so far above the petty things and labels that we give one another. But I do think that that is a concern that most Christians have. Another concern is that they think that talking about justice is a secular issue. That we're only to talk about the church is only to talk about spiritual matters, getting people saved and discipled. And so there's a concern that if I talk about justice, then, 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 then that is not our role. We need to stay in our lane. And then lastly, uh, related to that, I think that Christians believe if you begin talking about justice, it will move you away from the priority of evangelism, discipleship, fulfilling the Great Commission. I think that, that these are some of the primary reasons. I don't think that they hold water, but I do think that many Christians believe uh, in one of these things. And I, I think some may be like myself. I did not grow up in justice ministry. I grew up in an evangelism and discipleship and prayer ministry. And so this concept of justice for many of us is foreign. And we don't know how to navigate through that. If I grew up in my Christian life in a different context where justice was an issue, then I'd be very, very familiar with it. And so much of what I'm sharing with you is out of a heart of learning. This is the second installment of our series entitled Justice Matters. And I'm learning each week more and more about justice issues. The gospel of Jesus Christ saves and the gospel of Jesus Christ alone. It needs to be 
primary. But I think we as Christians live in a context of either or. We say, well, it's either the gospel or it's justice. How come it can't be both and? We, we are so extremist that we, we can't see that God is big enough to encompass both of these principles. That we are not short-circuiting the gospel by talking about justice. What if they go together? What if the gospel and social justice are, are a part of the entire Christian life? What if God wants us to be involved in that? They're not in opposition to one another. They're not contradictory to one another. And they're not opposed to one another. Although these are some of the reasons why Christians may or may not be involved in justice. Point number two. Point number two is a bigger issue because we are to live out what we believe the Scriptures are teaching us. So the question becomes, point number two, does the Bible support justice as important to God? Does justice matter to God? Is God concerned about justice? And I believe that He is. And so, get your Bibles out. Let's just kind of journey through the Scriptures and see whether or not justice really matters to God. It all begins in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 26 and 27, where it says that we are created in the image of God, in the image and likeness of God. All of mankind, everybody, uh, those human, us human beings are created in God's image. We are image bearers of the Most High God. And so it starts with that. And yet, in Genesis chapter 3, we know that sin comes into the world, and so our image is corrupted, but it is an image of God nonetheless. And so it starts off with that. In Leviticus chapter 19, God is concerned about the poor, so He tells those, if you are gathering your grapes in your vineyard, leave some for the poor and the stranger, and He says, I am the Lord your God. He goes on to say in Deuteronomy 10:18, He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the stranger and gives him food and clothing. And so he is talking about widows and the fatherless, the orphans. He's talking about the strangers and the aliens in the land. And God cares for them. And that is justice. He goes on to say in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 9, Because the Lord has loved Israel forever, therefore He made you king to do justice and righteousness. He's telling the king of Israel that you are king and a part of your job description is to do justice and righteousness in your office. And so God requires that of, of His people. He goes on to say in the book of Psalms, just, justice or variation of justice appears more than 22 times. I'm not going to read all of them, but I re- will read some of them. Psalm 33.5 says, He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Psalm 37 verse 28 says, For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake His saints. Psalm 72 verse 4 says, He will bring justice to the poor of the people and He will save the children of the needy and He will break in pieces the oppressor. He goes on to say, Psalm 89 verse 14, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Psalm 103 verse 6 says, The Lord executes righteousness and justice 
for all who are oppressed. So you get the idea that the Lord is involved in righteous and justice acts amongst his people and he calls us to act justly amongst his people as well. You'll notice as well in the prophets, Isaiah 61 verse 8 says, For I, the Lord, love justice. He says he loves justice in Isaiah. In Jeremiah verse uh, uh, chapter 50 verse 7, it says, All who found them have devoured them, and their adversaries said, We have not offended because they have sinned against the Lord, the habitation of justice. They're saying, we hadn't sinned because they sinned against the Lord. We hadn't done anything wrong because they sinned against the Lord who is the habitation of justice. He is the one. That's where he lives. He goes on to say in Amos chapter 5, verse 24, But let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. You'll notice in Micah 6, 8, it says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly or to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Many of us have, as preachers have, have taken this trilogy to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And we have given more attention to loving mercy and walking humbly with our God than we have doing justice. But it's in this trilogy. It is, it is what God desires for us. And so you may say, well, Pastor Mike, all of those are Old Testament passages. We're New Testament Christians. All of those are Old Testament passages. We live in the church age. Uh, what I would say to you is justice is found in the New Testament as well. Follow with me on these passages. In the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount, the foundation of that sermon is that our righteousness should exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, he requires us to be salt and light. Salt preserves something that is dead and decaying. Salt, uh, uh, purifies salt uh, d- has a specific role and he says I want you to be salt and light light in the midst of darkness light gives clarity light gives brightness and so in this world that we live in God has called his disciples Jesus has called his disciples to be salt and light and one of the ways that we do that is through justice. He says, Let your light, verse 16, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So, justice is a good work. Justice is what God wants us to do. And as we are doing that, people will see that and they'll glorify God who is in heaven. Not to mention Matthew chapter 25 that says, When you've done this to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. The poor, the needy, those imprisoned, those forgotten about. And so, in the New Testament, he goes on to say, Jesus preaches his first sermon, and he preaches it from Isaiah, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim at liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus is talking about all of these groups who have been marginalized, 
all of these uh, uh, groups who have not been treated justly. And he says, I'm bringing good news to these folks. And many times we over-spiritualize these categories. And yet, Jesus says his ministry is to the poor. His ministry is to the brokenhearted. His ministry is to the captive. His ministry is to the blind. His ministry is to those who are oppressed. And he is proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord. In the Old Testament, the year of Jubilee was when people were released from debt, when people were set free, when people were, were uh, no longer held captive. It was, it, it was this time of, 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 of great hilarity and joy because God has taken those who were treated unjustly and given them justice. And so... That was Jesus' ministry. And then he goes on to say in Luke chapter 11, verse 42, But woe to you Pharisees, you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and pass by justice. You pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Don't leave justice and the love of God undone. And it's like they go together. Men and women, if it makes you feel any, any more comfortable, then the gospel is leading an individual to new life in Jesus Christ, and justice is just an outworking of his relationship with God. It is just a discipleship issue. It is an activity of the Christian that loves God and loves people and wants people to experience the freedom that they themselves have already experienced. I think justice is important to God. I think these scriptures make, make it very, very clear that justice is important to God. And so point number three is simply this. What would a ministry of justice look like? We've already read the passage there in Matthew chapter 20. He is leaving Jericho. He is with his disciples. Jesus is. A large crowd follows. Two blind men are sitting by the side of the road. They know that Jesus is coming. And because they know Jesus is coming, they begin to shout, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd tells them to be quiet. Men and women, those people who need justice, those people, the poor, the fatherless, the widow, the, the, uh, the immigrant, uh, women, those who prisoners, those who who need uh, justice. Many times we cry out and nobody wants to hear. Nobody listens. Nobody wants to pay attention. We're crying out and have been crying out and nobody wants to hear. We see statistics. We see the needy. It's just like when you see somebody on the edge of the highway with a sign that says, we'll work for food. You don't even want to make contact, eye contact with that individual. And so here we are, these blind men are shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy upon us. And then when the crowd tells them to be quiet, they shout louder. And when there is resistance, many times those who have been treated unjustly get louder and louder and louder. And we have seen that recently. So in verse 32, in verse 32 and, and, and verse 34, uh, you look at those four things that Jesus did that I believe are foundational for justice ministry. They're foundational for us to do ministry with those who are, are forgotten, those who are unseen, those who are unheard, and those who have been treated unjustly. 
Point number one is simply this. It says in verse 32, when Jesus heard them. I think that if we're going to do a ministry to those, if we're going to have a ministry of justice, we've got to listen to people. We've got to listen to hurts. We've got to listen to to hang-ups. We've got to listen to habits. We've got to listen to those things that have people in bondage. We've got to listen to to them about the system. We've got to listen to them about what enslaves them. We've got to listen to them about what needs to happen. We've got to listen to them about their hurts. There was a crowd that followed Jesus. These people were shouting, and they told him, Be quiet. There is nothing... There is nothing more hateful than when someone wants to tell you about their hurt and their need and nobody wants to listen. Look at the second thing. The second thing is not only did he hear them, but he stopped. Listen, I believe that 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 whole idea of Jesus stopping was him communicating to them that they were valuable. They were valuable. Jesus was not too busy to see about their needs. He was not too busy. And what he was saying was, listen, I know that others deem you as as less than human. I know that others deem you like that, but I don't. You are so valuable to me that you are able to interrupt my schedule. I'm going to stop what I'm doing to see about you. If we want to do ministry of uh, a ministry of justice, we want to stop we need to stop business as usual. We need to stop what we're doing and take a look at the needs of people. Maybe we need to study our community. Maybe we need to find out where people are hurting. Maybe we need to to listen to stories. Maybe we need to to say we're going to carve out a certain period of time where, where we plan to meet the needs of those who are disenfranchised in our community. Jesus listened. He heard them. He stopped. And notice what he, what he does next. It says, And called, What do you want me to do for you? He asked them. Many of us when we do ministry, we don't ask people what their needs are or what they want. We tell them what they want. And if we're to do the kind of ministry that meets people's needs, we need to ask them what their needs are instead of assuming what their needs are. Jesus listened. He heard them. Jesus stopped. And then He asked, What do you want me to do for you? And men and women, we we need to listen instead of thinking that we are so smart that we know what all the needs are. We know what all the solutions are. We can solve every problem. No, we need to listen. And we need to ask. We need to stop what we're doing. And lastly, look at verse 34. Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Jesus not only heard them, He not only stopped, He not only asked, but He touched. He touched them. Reminds me of when I was growing up and I heard the old hymn, He touched me. Listen, we've got to roll up our sleeves and not throw money at problems. We've got to touch people. We've got to touch people's lives and make sure that we're in it for the long haul that we're not in it for ourselves, that we're, we, we want relationship with you. We want to touch you. We're not afraid to touch you. We're not afraid to get involved in your problems. We're not in, uh, uh, afraid to, to get involved in, in the, the, the gory details of your situation. And it may not be pretty, but we're going to touch you. 
And, and, and you'll notice what happens here. And this is for all of those who are afraid that, wow, you're doing justice, where's the gospel? You're doing justice and you're, you're meeting people's needs, but where's the gospel? You'll notice the gospel at the end of verse 34 where it says this. It says, he, 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 he felt sorry for them, touched their eyes, instantly they could see, then they followed him. Could it be that if we do justice, that that is a precursor to evangelism? Or our justice ministry is evangelism if we do it in Jesus' name? That, 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 that solving the problems that people have and the sh- taking off the shackles that enslave people and making sure that people feel that, and know that they are image bearers of the Most High God and they are valuable to God and valuable to us. Maybe, just maybe, that will lead them to Christ. Maybe, just maybe, that will uh, get them questioning, why are you helping me like this? And maybe we're able to tell them, because Jesus saved me, and He can save you too. Men and women, even if that doesn't happen, God reigns on the just and the unjust. Uh, He wants us to minister kindness to those who are in need. I read this earlier, and I thought to myself, isn't this much like the gospel? Weren't we all blind and dead in our sins and trespasses? Didn't we cry out to the Lord, Lord, I want to be saved? Didn't He stop? Didn't He stop and say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to Him. Didn't He stop? Didn't He ask us the question, Do you really want to be saved? Do you really want to have right relationship with me? And didn't He touch us? Didn't He touch us and we said yes to His gospel? And He came into our lives and He saved us. Men and women, I could be talking to somebody out there who is hurting. I could be talking to somebody who has been treated unjustly. I could be talking to somebody who feels forgotten. You feel alone. You feel like nobody cares. You've been crying on the side of the road and nobody hears. Jesus hears. And Jesus not only hears, but He has stopped right now. And He says, ask you the question, do you want to be saved? If you want to be saved, you can be. He can touch you right now. All you need to believe and all you need to do is confess your sins. Confess your sin that you need Jesus. That you've been trying to live life on your own and it hadn't worked out. That you've been trying and trying your best to live a good life. You've been trying your best to treat people right. And yet, you know that there's a separation between you and God. You can invite Jesus Christ into your life right now by simply praying a prayer with me and inviting Him to come in. You see, the most just thing happened 2,000 years ago, and yet the same event was the most unjust thing that could ever happen. The justice of God said, I have to punish sin. We rightly deserve that punishment because all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And yet... God, our Father, put all of our sin on His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ paid the penalty that we rightly deserved. He was treated unjustly so that we might be set free. At the intersection of Jesus' cross is God's justice and mercy. And God wants us to be heralds of that. 
He wants us to receive that and tell others about that. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, if you've never received His mercy, you can do that right now. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I need You. Thank You for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life and receive You as my Savior and Lord. Thank You for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life and make me the kind of person You want me to be. Lord, help me to practice justice. Lord, now that I'm free, help me to free others. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Justice matters.